Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. This podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Go to batman-on-film.com for all the latest, greatest, coolest news this side of the Daily Planet. And speaking of the Daily Planet, it's a location we will be visiting a little bit today. We are talking Superman 2, one of the best superhero movies ever made, in my opinion, and quite a few other people. And who better to talk Superman 2 with than the host of Round 2, the sequel podcast. It's Darren Kirsch. How the heck are you today, sir? I'm doing good. You know, I I had my orange juice freshly squeezed this morning and my cheeseburger (laughs) at 9 a.m. And, you know, I'm ready to roll. That's the way to do it. That's the Lois Lane way. And, you know, she can't be wrong, right? Even though she's... No, she's not wrong. She thinks she, she knows that Clark is Superman, and despite the best efforts, she still susses it out of him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just chasing that Pulitzer too, you know. Of course, yeah. Well, you know, you've got one book under your belt. You got another one uh, in the in the works. Um, so yeah, yes. Lois Lane, eat your heart out. <laughs> um, there you go. So. So, Darren, when uh, I reached out to you and said, hey, do you want to be on you know, my Superman segments here? And, uh, and you know, it was kind of funny. Your response was, I thought about it long and hard, and I want to talk Superman, too. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That, that's very fitting for you and your and what you do over on your show, which I've been on a couple of times. Uh, great time. And uh, Absolutely, so, yes. So what made you so – is that kind of the reason you wanted to do Superman, too? Or was it just like, oh, no, Superman, too – that's uh that's my jam i want to talk superman too yeah no that's a great question you know i mean it wasn't right away it wasn't the specific reason why i was thinking about it mm-hmm. you know when you reached out to me and you know i noticed that you know some of the other movies that also came to mind that i was thinking of talking about were already you know taken right like they were already people had already sure. signed up for the you know like like man of steel and right. and superman the movie and i'm just like okay this will be interesting. You know, I can do a little more of a deep dive and some different, you know, I think Superman, the animated series, I think was already taken. So I was like, you know, going down the list and, and really for me, it came out in a couple of movies, but I just, I couldn't, you know, get this movie out of my mind because, you know, I really grew up with this movie and mm. you know, it's a movie that I've also like rarely ever talked about too. So that it's kind of fun in that aspect to kind of finally talk about this movie mm-hmm. and, you know, how much this movie means to me. And obviously you think of me and I wrote the book about the Snyderverse, right? You know, the Zack yep. Snyder DC movies. And and you think, why wouldn't you want to pick a movie like one of those movies, right? You know, and but I know it, it's it's fun. It's fun sometimes to talk about something different. And, sure, you know, I, I have, I, I think something that people don't, a lot of people might not really know about me is that um, I, I have a lot to say about these movies because these movies also mean a lot to me too. So that you know, and I think that that's uh, that's awesome because the the tone of the of the Christopher Reeve movies versus the Henry Cavill stuff is completely different, and it's totally fine. You know, it's you know these characters they they exist for you know Superman now for eighty five years because they can be retold in different ways. You know, I mean, you know, we met on the thirty three point one, you know, the Smallville Patreon. 
So it's like there's there's another great Superman story. Ten years of of Clark Kent becoming Superman, um, and and kind of straddled the line a little bit between what Christopher Reeve was doing and then what Henry Cavill ended up doing because Clark was very broody on that show. You know, he was, you know, some of that. Sometimes those those episodes could get really dark, um, and and I think that that's you know sometimes it goes against the grain of what people want. But I get excited because it's like, yeah, but we're getting new Superman stuff. So that's cool. And and it's but it's also great to revisit the the classics, right? You know, to have the 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 Reeve movies as a as a touchstone for all of us. Henry Cavill, for crying out loud, auditioned in the Reeve Superman costume, right? <laughs> yep, that's true. Yep. And um so let me so let me ask you about your show. Where kind of the you know so you're doing sequel talk over there. Uh, so obviously, again, like I said, it's fitting that you're here talking about a, a very popular sequel. Um, what you know? Uh, what made you want to start that uh, and do like what well, we're going to do like a sequel podcast? And then you have your Patreon where you talk third film in the franchise, which I think is an awesome idea as well. Uh, where where did that idea uh, sprout from? Yeah, that's a great question. So. Uh, this was probably back in, I want to say, well, probably 2020, you know, the year of COVID, right? Mm. <laughs> and I I was at home. I It was during the summertime and I couldn't work because I had a health condition that made it very difficult for me to uh, walk, basically. I, I oh. you know, I basically couldn't walk under my own power for over a month, like uh, for a long time. So um well, what happened was I had a lot of downtime, right? And I started sure. thinking about a lot of, you know, uh, Zach Moore, our mutual friend from the Smallville podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was seeing that he was, you know, talking and I would see a lot about what he was doing on Letterboxd. And so I was like, yeah, I got to check this out. And all of a sudden I, you know, got hooked, you know, you know, on Letterboxd and making lists, yeah. you know, of, you know, all your favorite kinds of movies and whatnot. And it was a lot of fun, but it really got me thinking about like, you know, a lot of my favorite movies are the second movie, the sequel, mm. right? Right. And, you know, I, I had been on Zach's show and I was kind of looking at maybe doing my own thing, doing my own podcast and, and branching out and you know, under the Zach Moore coaching tree, as we always joke about, you know, sure. if he's like the Bill Belichick of it all. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of where it all started. And, you know, from there, we've just been rolling and I have guests on and I always let the guests, as you know, pick the movie, what we're yep. talking about. And uh, just going to do a deep dive into all these different movie sequels of all different kinds, uh, different genres, you know, different decades. And that's just uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been so much fun. And I couldn't be more proud of of how it's turned out so far. I I think uh, it's it's great. I, I genuinely love listening to your show and I think you bring a lot to it. Um, you know, because you have, you know, a lot of trivia and interesting things there. That's, you know, because it, it, it can, you know, these types of conversations, I think, can be boring or be repetitive. But, you know, having that kind of uh, structure to it, I think is really, really great. And it makes, you know, I've been on a couple of times and, you know, I look forward to it because I'm like, oh, like, yeah, like, uh, it's, it's easier when there's the structure, you know, because I'm very loosey goosey here. <laughs> um but you know, having the but having that structure gets the, you know, gets the guests prepared, you're prepared, and uh, and it makes for a little bit more of a streamlined conversation because I've had Zach on this show several times, and we you know we will start 
at A, and before you know it, we're we're at Z, and and it's like no, no, no we were supposed to stay on A, but we got to Z somehow. <laughs> uh, hey, you branch are... off and all the tangents, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know, it's and he jokes about how he talks about like a forty-five minute TV show on his podcast, and it, they end up being like two hours. <laughs> Um, I know that's kind of the the comedy of it, right? The humor of it, right? Is that it's like right. twice as long. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he and he, you know, and he even said that to uh, Welling and Rosenbaum when he was on their show, you know. And kudos to to him for that. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, but I think that's you know. It, but I'm kind of in the same boat where I think, you know, if done right, a sequel is supposed to build off of what the first film did, and I think. The problem with a lot of sequels, you know, is made by lesser filmmakers is that what's got to be bigger and better and more explosions, more special effects, you know, more this, more that, more that. And we've seen that a lot with, unfortunately, some of the more recent Marvel movies, right? You know, they've they've just gone bigger and bigger as opposed to focusing on the on character stuff, right? You know, which is what we're here for. So Superman 2, I think was great because it started it you know it's it, it takes right right from superman one where it's like you know clark and Lo- or superman and lois are kind of flirting with each other you know something's going to happen there so it's like well what's the next logical step well the next logical step is that she finds out the secret and they have an even more intimate bond um and outside of that we got to follow up with what happened on krypton with the Kryptonians being thrown into the Phantom Zone, you know, so they got to get out and <laughs> and cause trouble for Superman. But of course, he's given up his power. How is he gonna? What's he gonna do? And I remember watching that as a kid, and and, and I'm sure you were in a similar boat where it's like, well, he doesn't have his powers. What's he gonna do? You know, and this was like when I saw this way before Smallville, where every other fucking episode he loses the powers and um or just like says i don't need him anymore i'm good or whatever <laughs> um yeah but but this superman it wasn't like that so it's like oh he willingly gave them up for the woman he loves and then it's like your timing is terrible because there's three kryptonian criminals trying to take over the world um what, what was you know do you remember your reaction like as a kid watching that going you know probably similar like what what's he gonna do what's gonna happen next because i think that the film does a great job of getting us from, you know, the, you know, Niagara Falls to the fortress to the the diner where Clark gets beat up to Clark begging the fortress to relight so that he can get his powers back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I, when I was a kid, I would just drive my parents crazy. Just always, we'd go to this uh, VHS rental store. Uh, the town nearby and I would like, I would constantly just you know Superman one two three four all the Christopher Reeve movies just mm-hmm. all of them so I, I watched them all the time as a kid and, and drove them crazy I'm sure but <laughs> but yeah no and 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 that's so true you know that second movie and you know for a very long time it was my favorite I think the last year or so I, I've kind of leaned back more towards the first one mm-hmm. uh, with Richard Donner but I mean to me they're both like you know right there one A one B I feel like yeah, you know both of these movies have meant so much to me. You know, I watched them so much as a kid, and I feel like with the second one, it's so cool because, you know, this time he's fighting against somebody 
who has the same abilities as him, not just one, but three of them. Yep. You know, so yeah, especially when he gives up his powers, which is a very personal thing and a very well-constructed story concept. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and just like you said, the timing of it and, you know, it's funny because I know this was, this idea originally came from Richard Donner and Tom Mankiewicz and, you know, know, the original team, right. From the first movie, Mm -hmm. but it also ties in beautifully with Richard Lester and everything that he is about as a director. So it's, it's really cool how, you know, you know, just the fact that he's fighting as people who have the same abilities as him. It was exciting. They're fighting on the streets of Metropolis and, and I could go on and on. It was just, <laughs> it was just so awesome. So cool. Those it, and I think, you know, the, the special effects at the time, I mean, were like top notch. I mean, the, you know, the star Wars movies had just come out uh, or still coming out, I should say. So like Lucas, like raised the bar for how special effects can be done in a film. And, these two movies, the first two Superman movies, really took advantage of that. You know, and, and well, I, I would even third one. They really took advantage of the fact that, well, special effects can be more than just, you know, goofy looking claymation stuff. You know, we can have people on wires flying through Metropolis, you know, kicking the crap out of each other, um, and and it not, and it, at least at the time, and I, I argue that a lot of it still holds up, especially a lot of flying stuff. I think. Um, it it holds up and because it's it feels real it feels visceral it feels like you know th- these you know these three guys are gonna they're gonna they're, they're gonna kill superman like and they're gonna kill anyone who gets in his way and you know i remember feeling like when they break into the daily planet when they break into the world they break into the white house i was just like you know what again that is such a great feeling how are we going to get out of this and that's something that movies i think can struggle with because you don't you want your villain you know to be at like a 10 and you need your hero to be at like an eight so that when the hero can overpower the villain that victory feels earned versus like you know i would point to like uh heroes uh tv show heroes where i i just i lost interest because i was like you're making the villain Tyler so unbelievably overpowered that i don't believe anyone can stop him you know so it's I, I'm having a hard time accepting the reality you're you're giving to me, but when you have these military trained, angry, we just broke out of prison Kryptonians that are just willing to do anything and everything to take over the world, and Superman, who's a very kind of kind and gentle person, he has to step up and kind of get on their level, and it's like that. That's great storytelling in and of itself because now I'm. I'm I'm rooting for Superman, but I'm also worried about Superman. Like, like how is can he win? Because the you know they're like you know the one lady's like the big one's just as strong as Superman. It's like, well, all three of them are. He's just bigger, <laughs> you know, and so it's equally terrifying for all three of them. Um, and 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 I think that all four of the actors doing those stunts and everything, they really sell those fights, and it's really incredible to watch, even what like 40 some years later that's incredible absolutely yeah and to me i think you know uh going off what you just said it it kind of brings to mind this uh the term juxtaposition right Mm -hmm. of these polar opposites right and then and it also ties back into you know like you're mentioning earlier with you know the three kryptonians and superman and him giving up his powers and 
um, how the story itself really you know lends itself to, I feel like the best talents, you know, like the best aspects of Donner and Lester really coming together in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say that with like with like juxtaposition specifically because something that I don't know a lot of, if a lot of people really uh, know a lot about this topic, but you know when they think of Donner, they you know they think of like you know like there's this epic kind of you know story going on, but with uh, with with Richard Lester, a lot of people think, oh, it's just comedy, goofy, you know, whatever. But I'm I'm, and this is probably really weird. And and it's, if it's if it's okay, if I can just go on just a very very slight tangent yep. on this topic, go for it. <laughs> uh, so I'm probably the the last or the the last person you'd probably think would probably defend the Richard Lester theatrical version of the movie mm-hmm. as opposed to Richard Donner cut. But when I compare both versions, I like things from both of them, but Ultimately, I still land on the theatrical version because uh, I think something that works really well that Richard Lester brings to this movie is something that is featured in all of his movies. It's his 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 directorial style is a surrealist kind of absurd comedy, mm-hmm. right? And and by that, um, for people who aren't familiar with like surrealism um, in art, it's basically like two like and this is something that. Um, Richard Lester has actually talked about like 10 years ago, he was in an interview and he was talking about this. He was talking about having two concentric circles of reality meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And the point where they meet is where the surreal happens, right? Because you're in, in that way, you are switching from one reality to the next, you know? So you could have, you know, and like, for example, like think Monty Python, right? Yeah. Or like I think of like some Mel Brooks movies like Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can where you can, it's it's kind of a, a meaning of two different worlds colliding in a way. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I know for me I I can speak to this personally because I'm at, like like you mentioned at the top I you know I had already written one book but I'm also writing a novel right now which I'm hoping will come out next year summer 2024. Um, which deals specifically with this exact concept of surrealism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it deals with sports, it deals with science fiction, and a, a meeting of blending of two different worlds. And um, so, and, and like an art, you know, with surrealism, uh, you know, think of like Salvador Dali, uh, Pablo Picasso, uh, Frida Kahlo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these uh, influential artists who really kind of brought this to the forefront and it's kind of, you know, made its way into um, other media as well. And, you know, I, I, and I think also with Lester, one thing that he brought to this movie, you know, obviously with Donner, you have the, you know, I I feel like I'm almost talking about a Zack Snyder movie here for a second, because I'm talking about like the Joseph Campbell, you know, uh, hero's journey. Right. Right. Yep. But uh, with, with, with Lester, it's interesting because, he he has this um, thing where, like, when you watch, the, like, when you think of the stuff that he shot for Superman two, and and you can even think Superman three or any of his other movies, like Three Musketeers and whatnot. And at, at the end of the day, like, there's always like he brings a level of like realism to it in the sense of like there's there's like these down to earth people who have or like not comic book characters there are people like real people who are in these scenes which also ties into that like you know surrealist absurd humor aspect of it but there's people in scenes watching the action too which makes you the viewer kind of feel like you're in the middle of it as well Mm -hmm. which i think really blends nicely with what donner did 
Yeah, I guess. And, and maybe, you know, people probably think I'm crazy for saying all this, but, <laughs> uh, you know, and of course, you know, like he, he talks about, you know, the shift from to more like, you know, a version of like comic panels, right? So like, instead of this bigger scope that Jeffrey Unsworth did with the first one, he brought on Robert Painter as a cinematographer, and they talked about making it look more like a comic book on screen, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It's cool. It's a nice touch. And, you know, like I said, people probably think I'm crazy. But, you know, there's still there are still things I like about the Donner Cut. So uh, I'll just I'll leave it at that, I guess. Um, one thing I'll say that I that probably my biggest thing that I love about the Donner Cut is the Daily Planet scene in the beginning when Lois first starts to figure out that Clark is Superman and tries to jump out the window. And he just, you know, he like races out of there. It's a really cool shot. And and kind of super breaths blows her down and then races back up to when she falls into like an apple cart or something. Uh, I forget exactly what it was, uh, but she's, he's just like, she's like looking up at him. He's like, Lois, what are you doing? And it's, a, it's such a fun bit. Um, but I also, um, because what, what the, uh, what the inciting incident was going to be when in the first film, Superman was supposed to throw the nuclear missile into outer space and it broke open the, the phantom zone and the Kryptonians came out like freedom, you know, um, just like I, that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I like it better. I actually like that better in the Lester cut in the theatrical cut where it's this, um, it's this bomb threat in Paris because we get, we get kind of reminded why we were falling in love with these characters in the first film. Right. Again, what sequels do well, because we, you know, we get a little bit of like cute, back and forth between or excuse me superman and lois you know when he saves her in the elevator and he's like i believe this is your floor i'm just and and christopher reeve is that special kind of actor he can deliver a cheesy ass line like that so sincere that i'm i'm getting goosebumps and a big ass grin on my face going that's superman i'm i'm so excited he saved the day you know um and then like with the you know like some sort of terrorist in um in Paris and he throws their bomb, their hydrogen bomb in space. And that's what breaks open the phantom zone. So you still get the same thing. It's just done differently. And I would argue done a little bit better because it, in a strange way, it, it helps this movie stand on its own as opposed to being a part one and a part two, which um, I think the back to the future movies, as much as I love them, you know, the, the first film wasn't supposed to set up a franchise. You know, they just uh, they just did to be continued as a joke, and everybody was bugging them for years. And they're like, "Well, we better write the sequels." And you know, and they kind of had to retrofit, fix it in there, and it worked. But us as movie buffs, we kind of watch it and go, "Yeah, I see where they were kind of, you know, putting a, a round like a square peg in a round hole kind of thing." Um, whereas in right. this, I don't feel that way. I feel like. No, no, no. Like this, this opening action sequence is great because, you know, first of all, we get the opening credit that is a recap of the first film, stands Marlon Brando, because when Donner was fired, he was like, F you, I'm not coming back for the, the reshoots. Although he is in the, uh, the Donner cut, which I love that stuff too. Um, but so it's a little strange having like, well, now he's talking to his mom versus his dad and, you know, whatever. Wait, what are you going to do? But, <laughs> um, I don't think people were really thinking about that in 1980 or 81, whenever this was, but. Um, well, both technically, both technically. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cause it had a, 
I think it had like a UK release and then an American release, something like that. Um, yeah, and it was like a spread out release too. It wasn't like like it was over the course of like half a year. I want to say. Yeah, it. I mean, like, movie, strange. Mo- movies, movie releases, and stuff like that. I mean, like I I recently watched, or well, not recently, it was like a year ago, but the uh, the blockbuster documentary on Netflix talking about how like video rental came to be a thing and. I'm just man, like they just like they just used to put movies out, and then it's like if you missed it, maybe it'll come back in the theater a year later if it made some money. Otherwise, that it, it's gone. You know, kind of like TV was back in the day, right? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's crazy. Um, like you know, wouldn't people want to keep watching these and you could make more money? Eh, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's all. I know. I know what you mean. It, yeah. The entertainment business is wild as hell, but um, but again, like I said, I I think that we get a better um we we get a better setup here because you know we get an opening scene not between Clark and and Lois but Superman and Lois which i think is really what the audiences were expecting cuz sure like Lois and Clark are kind of cute together and they're in Niagara Falls and they have some cute banter there but i like the idea that it's it's more of a slow build we've had time to decompress from the the first film and now we can be in this film and and she starts to put it together, which is, like I said, a natural progression from the first film. But I think doing it immediately in the first in the first scene really is, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't work as well as it does in the Lester cut. And and again, maybe maybe people think I sound crazy, like that sacrilege Donner was the best, you know, but um, I, you know, I, I, I really like what Lester brought to it. And I'm despite its wildness i'm still a big superman 3 fan you know like i think he got to put a little bit more of his own stamp on it and there's still some really great superman stuff in there despite it being essentially a lex Luthor jr kind of story (laughs) um but we got but we got great stuff in that movie too um so i guess this is my long-winded way of saying that i i i agree with you i think that lester brought a lot to the film that that makes it special that we as fans can. And I think we were a little bit like this with like watching justice league 2017 versus Zack Snyder's justice league. Right. Like, because there were bits in there. I was like, Oh, Snyder filmed that. I, I thought that was Josh Whedon and, and a little bit vice versa. And um, obviously the Snyder cut is the far superior film. Um, but I was, I was wondering where you were going with that, but yes, yes but there's, but there were parts of the, the Snyder cut, like, that I thought, oh, that Snyder or uh, Snyder filmed those. That's interesting uh, because they felt more of a Josh Whedon thing. But um, and it's it's a little bit like that with like when I watched the Donner Cut for the first time, I'm like, oh, quite a lot of this is, you know, a mix of the two. Uh, the the biggest difference being the the ending was going to be of the second one was going to be the switching the world or turning the world back so that the Kryptonians get back in their uh, in prison in Phantom Zone. And Lois forgets the secret, but I would argue that it, it works better in the first film because there's like the death of Lois, and he can't handle that, and he fixes it. So it works. It works better at the end of what works better at the end of this film is them, you know, having the fight in the fortress, and then going back to the Daily Planet, and her, and her and him kind of having a a heart to heart, like you know, I'll always keep your secret. And he's like, I know Lois. And it's a really beautiful moment between them. 
And yes, the mind wiping kiss, that's weird. I don't know where that came from. That is very strange. <laughs> it could have just yes. been some Kryptonian crystal. He just like waves in front of her or something that would have fit. But, and I, that's wild as hell. But then again, if you read, read excuse me, read any Superman comic from like the 70s and, uh, you know, the early 70s, early 60s, there's some weird shit in there too. <laughs> it's like, all right. I believe it. Have, yeah. He would have a new power every now and then. And, I like that Smallville would find ways to take advantage of it, like Clark becoming a mind reader at one point. I'm like, oh yeah, I think they got that from like the early 40s. Superman could read minds for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was like later Smallville, like season nine, season ten, wasn't it? It was. It was nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I was, yeah. Because yeah, because it was Lois, right? He could. He was reading Lois's mind for an, just like an episode. Yep. And she was like thinking about how hot he was or whatever, and he was like, oh, that's interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah um yeah there was that and i think that's when the toy man came back i think and that's how he caught him he could hear his thoughts too something like that uh it's oh, been, a while. Sure. been a while since i watched that one but that that moment stuck with me but but anyway um you know we get to have these uh these great moments between superman and lois and then clark and lois and i like that we get to see him you know when it is very much kind of how I guess authority figures kind of are anyway. Like they have, they're one way at home with the people they love. And they're another way with the people that they're trying to, that they're antagonists with. And then they're another way at work. Right. You know, so you have three different kind of Clark, right. You have like Superman fighting uh, the Zod and everybody fight Superman. You have, Clark, who's just kind of nerdy, bumbly, you know, nice guy, but, you know, kind of a weirdo Clark at work. And then you have probably the true version of him, who's with Lois in the Fortress, and he's very relaxed, and he's just, you know, in a, in more comfortable in his skin there than anywhere else. And I think Reeves pulls that, all three of those off perfectly. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he does such a tremendous job in this movie. And I feel like some of my favorite moments in this movie is when he is as Clark Kent and the scenes of him and Lois together, uh, you know, Margot Kidder. I feel like, I feel like, as you know, especially in, you know, the stuff where with Richard Duster, you know, I feel like it, you know, when, you know, and when I say that, I mean like the Niagara Fall, all the Niagara Fall stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the end of the you know towards the end of the movie right and they're together at the daily planet and they're having this conversation like we're literally like right before that kiss yeah it's it's tr- i mean marvel kidder's tremendous in that scene like it's such good acting such good like it's just so everything about that is so good and it, it goes back to what you were saying about the the idea of you know in the daughter cut she is trying to prove he's clark Kent immediately like right when the movie starts you know as we're in this movie it's built up you know and and i also want to touch on uh, Ken Thorne, who did the soundtrack for Superman two and Superman three. Oh, okay. uh, since John Williams, since John Williams didn't come back for it, um, they obviously used his theme, but like a, a slightly modified version. And uh, Ken Thorne put his own kind of spin on it. And you know, a lot of people kind of bash on Ken Thorne for you know because obviously like John Williams is a legend and rightfully so. But mm-hmm. I feel like considering the fact that he had a you know less budget less time to put together a soundtrack he had a smaller orchestra 
And he still put together a really, to me, a really effective soundtrack that I really enjoy. And, you know, I say it's because I'm a big uh, movie soundtrack guy. I have, I've bought way too much on my phone and I, I listen to it all the time, especially when I write and stuff, it's just kind of my inspiration. But, mm. uh, but I, I, you know, I think the the soundtrack in those scenes too, especially at the Niagara Falls, when she's just like, you know, I'm going to bet my life on it. And you can feel the tension building because of the music. Yes. And, you know, and you, it also helps when, when you pair that with, with uh, uh, Chris Reeven and how as Clark, and he's like, you can see him trying to like get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. of getting of changing the conversation, and and she won't. You know, because she's Lois. You know, right. she's very. Um, you know, she 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 goes after what she wants. She's passionate. You know, yep. and that's what makes her a great reporter. You know, and it, it's cool to see that dichotomy work out, and to see that that those both those elements of the music and the acting, the performance work together. I thought really makes those scenes shine. You know. Uh, and- a hundred percent. Um, and it's funny that I, I guess I didn't know that there was a, like a controversy there, uh, with, with him, because I, I, I agree with you. I think the music is fantastic. Um, it, you know, and great soundtrack should do that. You know, if you were to turn, like turn the movie off, but just have the music playing, you should still be able to figure out what's happening because the music is part of the story. Right. You know, like, yep. uh, like John Williams is obviously a, a genius at that. Uh, Danny Elfman is probably one of the, my favorite examples. You know, I can listen to the Batman Returns soundtrack and watch the movie in my head. You know, it's and that's that's really something that's lost on movies nowadays, which bummed me out a lot. Um, I think like the best examples from the past couple of years have been like the Avengers films, like especially the first one and uh, the Batman had a great soundtrack that I can listen to that and I feel like I'm watching the movie. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a lost art, I feel like, unfortunately. Um, one other controversy I wanted to talk about, well, I don't think it's controversial, but I guess at the time it was, was the idea that Superman and Lois sleep together in the Fortress of Solitude. Um, I always thought that was such a, um, I, I don't know, even like as a kid, it didn't bother me. I just thought it was a beautiful moment. Like, you know, we don't see them, obviously, that would be weird, but, you know, we get to, it's this intimacy between a man and a woman that I think is beautiful. And, and it, you know, it's just so like, you know, and uh, you know, I can be somewhere, you know, we want to talk about red or blue, right. I think we're all a little purple, you know, so I can fall on either side of it. But in that moment, like I said, even as a kid, I was like, well, that's really cool. That's really sweet. And, and don't our heroes deserve that to have these moments that, you know, people quite frankly need to have. Right. You know, what's your take on all that? You know, did you know there was a controversy there or where, where do you fall with it? Maybe you're the opposite. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I'm not well versed in, in that specific controversy. I guess I didn't realize it was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. But to, to me, I don't I mean, that was the point of him making that big choice. Right. You know, he loves Lois so much that he is going to give up his powers to be with her right which as i'm saying this now i'm kind of in my head thinking like wow that sounds very biblical in a way with with jesus but it's really yep. interesting because of the association with the character but um but yeah no so i mean i didn't really understand the controversy because you never see them do that you know there's there isn't even really like anything suggested you know it's not, not like you know like for example like the end of somewhere in time right where 
you know, like you kind of see like you see their heads and you can tell like they're in bed and also like the candle goes out like you like obviously that's very suggestive, right? Fair, yeah. But like but in in certain man too, like it's not like the, when you see them, they're just like laying on like a I don't know, it looks like a really big uh like a futon or a, I don't know <laughs> what you'd call it. It's it's kind of like a like a hammock or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's, they're, they're it's, just they're just hanging out, you know. They're just chilling, you know. He he got that at the at IKEA before they land, before they got to the fortress. Like, we need to make one stop before we get here. Huh? Yeah, uh, sky's the limit. Anything you want. <laughs> um, so you know that that kind of stuff. I just think you know, and a lot of it is much ado about nothing. I think people just are a lot of times they're looking for controversy where there is none, and um, versus like having a. Kind of like, like the music is fine like you know of course it's not john williams but that doesn't mean it's bad you know it just it just means that it's somebody else um, and, and can i just can i just quickly point out oh, ken sure. thorne ken thorne isn't a is an oscar winning composer there you go <laughs> you know he he won the oscar for uh thing a funny thing on way to the forum which okay. was directed by richard lester <laughs> so there he's also go. won an academy award for as you know as a composer so it's just really fascinating to me that a lot of people probably don't know that. I I did not know that. That's really awesome. Uh, so all you haters out there, shut up. <laughs> you don't. You have an Oscar? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's uh, the other like really great thing that sells the hell out of this movie is Terrence Stamp. Um, I mean, mm. it's I I've loved seeing the different thoughts we've gotten over the years. You know, we you know we had. Uh, Terrence Stamp. We had Rosenbaum in uh, a couple episodes of the Smallville. Um, we had uh, uh, Callum Blue throughout season nine and a little bit in season ten for Smallville, um, and then of course Michael Shannon most recently. And I, I think every one of them has brought something really cool to the character. You know, like Callum Blue is very—he's still figuring out who he is and trying to be a great leader, and he's very has a lot of vulnerability to him, really great performance. And then you have Michael Shannon, who just, you know, has the intensity of a charging rhino. <laughs> and it's, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's a, it's exactly what that character needed, what that film needed. And then you have Terrence Stamp, who just walks into a room and, and just kind of waves his hands and can get whatever he wants. There's that authority there that is incredible and very very hard to 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 do really you know and he's not a he's not a big guy he's an average sized man you know and he's you you know you have non who's like giant brute who's just you know crashing into everything and you have ursa who's being very playfully seductive and deliberately sexy and then you have him who's just you know walking into the room and like this is mine i own this and and there's no question. It's like, well, if you want it, you can have it. You know, he walks into the White House and it's such a beautiful scene when, you know, the one guy says, I'm the president, I give up to you. And he says, no, 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 that's not how this works. And then the real president steps forward. And and it's such a great, like, bit there, too, where, you know, it's like, he's like, oh, God, it's Zod. You know, it's the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's. It, that scene is, is perfect because you just, you get everything you need out of that character. And we've seen him a lot doing stuff before then, you know, attacking that one small town and everything. But 
that scene is really, I think, what solidifies him as just this terrifying presence, you know, because in the first film, he doesn't get to do anything. He just yells at Marlon Brando. And, you know, and who hasn't done that in Hollywood? You know, quite a few people, mostly women. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, then you get, uh, so we get to see like, oh, this is why he was put on trial. This is why he was imprisoned because he's genuinely terrifying. And there's a very good possibility that he, he'll win. And that is just all the powers of Superman and none of the morals. That's that's the nightmare scenario that, you know, all every writer thinks that they can dream up. And it's like, uh, not as good as how God does it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's fascinating, too, is that, you know, with, with Sharon Stamp, it's funny. I was actually, earlier today, I was watching the, the making of documentary for Superman 2. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because they refer to him as Terry Stamp, which I've never heard of that before. So oh, I think yeah, that's yeah. just kind of hilarious. But, uh, but you know, yeah, it's cool that you know with him, he really does feel like like a military leader, like a general, right? Like he's like this no nonsense. Like he's gonna do exactly what it takes to win, like by the numbers. Like, oh, yep, I'll do that and that. But he's also really smart, like you mentioned. Like, you know, it makes the president kneel before him. The president kneels. He goes, "You're not the president." Mm-hmm. You know. Nobody who could lead so many could kneel so quickly, you know. Right. So it's really fascinating that, you know, in, in that in that way that he's he, he has both of that. Like there's not it's and it's interesting because it also ties into that juxtaposition of like, you know, Lester has certain comedy elements in this movie, mm-hmm. right? And Donner does too, you know. And Richard Donner obviously deserves a lot of credit for what he's done because he's also an incredible director, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, God bless his soul and. You know, it's cool because with Zod, he really is like he's the no nonsense guy of it all, mm-hmm. and it, it it plays like perfectly in this movie. I I think it's great because you have, uh, you know, Gene Hackman in, in the first film and in this film, who has a similar energy in the sense that he can walk like when he confronts Superman, he's not in the first film. He's not he's not scared of him. He's just very much like, and he gets the upper hand on him, and and I love that we get in this film, you know, he's the one who kind of, he figures out who they are because he breaks into the fortress, which I, is always like one of those like, like funny things that like, shouldn't that be harder to do? Like, shouldn't you not be able to do that? But <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I, I don't think they were thinking that far ahead. They just thought, Oh, wouldn't this be great for the story? And sure. Why not? Um, but I think it's, it's great that, you know, when he, when we see him again, he goes up to them in the white house and, you know, he shakes the handkerchief. He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm coming as a friend. And, you know, it's like, they're not going to know what a white, waving a white flag means. But <laughs> um, but we get like, and then he's just trying to be like, you're taking over the world. I can help you. You know, I just want this small piece of it. And, you know, and I, and I love that that's how he's referred to. It's like, you've done well, Lex Luthor, ruler of Australia. You know, <laughs> so, Yeah, ruler of Australia. <laughs> it's such a funny thing to, to call somebody. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's a great bit because you, you understand where Luther is coming from. He's not going to just like, let this happen. But at the same time, it's like, well, if these people are taking over, I might as well get a piece. And, but I also love how he isn't the, when he, he knows when he can't talk his way out of it. Right. You know, when they kind of gang up on him in the daily planet, one of my favorite jokes is when. They're like, oh, it's Superman. And he's like, oh, Superman, thank God. I mean, get him. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a funny bit. And I, 
and I like that Hack, the way Hacken plays it because he's you feel like oh like he's outlived his usefulness like they're gonna kill him and then and then later he I like that Superman kind of calls him out he said hey get them into that chamber it'll take away their powers and, and then Luther immediately is just don't go in there that'll take away your powers and it's just you know like he knew how to play the situation but I love that even after all that, and Lex Luthor is a great character, then you get Superman. He's like, "Well, I knew you were going to double cross me, so I just used that to my advantage." And even and and even then, Luthor just full of his own BS, right? Goes, "You do, And did he really know? Hmm, it's up for debate, I suppose. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's funny because I I remember as a kid, I did not like Gene Hackman as Luthor. I just, I just really found him interesting. Of- yeah, I found him kind of irritating. It wasn't until like years and years later I, I really warmed up to it and was like, okay, like I think I get what he's doing. Because I think probably in my head at the time when I was watching the movies, Lex Luthor to me was Clancy Brown, right? And Oh, sure. Yeah. Who, who's going to top that? Lo and behold, it would be Michael Rosenbaum a few years after that. Um, but I love that Rosenbaum is always quick to say that. Oh no, like Gene Hackman's the best Lex Luthor. Like, you know, I'm the second best or something like that. Um yeah. I, I would uh I would you know, we all strongly disagree with that, I think, but I I like that Luther is in the film and, and gets to be a part of it because it again, having that connective tissue from the first film, it would the film would, would it would probably work just fine without him, but it's like you you need that that energy especially in the last scene, like I said, where he he thinks he's betraying Superman and he's getting what he wants. I think it's such a, you know, it, the movie would be lesser without him, you know? And it's it's funny to say, like, I say this now as an adult, when I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, are we done with this guy yet? <laughs> That's funny. I like it. Yeah, you know, for me, I, I think with Gene Hackman, obviously he's such a great actor, you know, oh, yeah. tremendous actor. Uh, and he's still alive, you know. He's in his '90s, and he's still doing great. Oh, he's, and, he's kicking, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's so awesome. And you know, I, I think with him that what's really cool about him in this movie is the fact that he's not a Kryptonian; he's a human, but he can still have leverage against them, which proves, you know, Lex Luthor's keen mind, keen savvy. You know, like he's <laughs> the greatest criminal of our age. You know, like he yep. he really does. Uh, come through in those moments because he, you know, you know, you can't bargain with what you don't have. Well, you know, and then he flips it on on Zod and saying that I, I know like who Superman is, you know, son of Jarrell, mm-hmm. right? And then obviously, like 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 you mentioned later on, all of a sudden, you know, all oh, Superman. Oh, I get it. You know that part. Yeah. yeah. What, what's interesting is right after that, you know, then they come back and he goes, Superman's fled, and and they're like, all right, kill him. You know, kill yep. Luther. And you go, and then he basically was like. You hold on to that little lady, Lois Lane, and uh, you know Lex Baby is the only one that Superman's address. Yeah, you know, yeah. which ties back to that whole like you know going to the Arctic and the alpha waves and the black box and all that. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, and it's it's super cool about that too. You know how he was able to to leverage that situation and really prove that he was you know like his worth as a character in this yep. movie. And then of course in the end, in the end, I would argue that. You know that scene where he double cross—he thinks he's double crossing Superman. Mm-hmm. I, in that moment, Superman literally seems defeated. So why would Lex team up with 
Superman, right? You yeah. know, especially especially because Superman's not going to give him Australia, you know. Right, you're right. <laughs> and and there's three villains, you know, only one of it, and and you know, and and to, and the fact that they was able to to flip it, you know, and the Lex figures it out after the fact too. Yeah. Like he puts it together in his head before he's told about it. Like he he's just like, oh, you know, yep. it which proves he is really smart. So that's that's what I really appreciated with Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor in this movie. It it's a it and that, that scene is really great because it, it does it you know it calls back to what happened earlier in the film. So you're just like I remember as a kid genuinely thinking, oh, he just gave up his powers, you know. And yeah, yeah. And, you know, he even kneels before Zod. And then, you know, it's... And I kind of like that the movie has... It has a, a really solid ending for these characters, but it's not this, you know... And I'm not, like, knocking on it, but, you know, it's not this destroy-the-city kind of thing that Man of Steel was. I think, you know, and I, I love Man of Steel, don't get me wrong, but Same here. In, uh, you know, in, in this film, it's to have this kind of private moment where Superman gets the best of them, I think is really cool because it gets us to, as, as the audience to cheer for him. Like, you know, the, we already saw the attack on the city, you know, we are, we saw all that stuff. So to have this private moment where the hero gets to, gets to have his win, you know, it's just, it, it it's the kind of stuff that is again, very, very hard to do in a movie because you know, we as the audiences, we're sort of expecting the the blue beam in the sky ending, right? Um, and you know, that's overplayed, and I'm glad that a lot of movies haven't done that recently. But there's something to be said about having just kind of a, uh, you know, kind of like Batman 89, right? You know, the, the last fight is in, in the, the top of that ridiculously tall <laughs> cathedral. Um, it's not for the sake of the city, it's just between these characters. And that's all it needs to be. And that's what makes it um that's what makes it special. It's what makes it unique. And uh and it's funny to say, like, you know, Superman 2 considered one of the best superhero movies of all time. And it's like, well, it but it also has this very arguably quiet ending versus even how the Earth film ends, you know, with Superman literally screaming into the heavens and turning the earth around, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, I, you know, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. With how, yeah. And, and how like a lot of movies and it, it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned Superman two as being like one of the, the, one of the better superhero movies ever made. Of course yeah. I agree with it, but I, I really not sure how other people, if they agree with that or not, I really don't know. You know, I wonder if, you know, because everybody's, you know, when they think of when the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. You know, this is incredible feat of cinema and how, you know, it really led to that beginning of the the summer blockbuster. Right. And, and mm -hmm. you know, what Star Wars year before that and Jaws right before that and how it really kind of kind of changed the, the trajectory of Hollywood, you know, yep. Yep, with very. these big budget movies and the things that, you know, were being made, you know, and that had never been made before. And mm -hmm. and we're now all of a sudden possible because of visionaries like George Lucas and and whatnot so it's it, it it really it kind of led to that which is really fascinating um and, and its importance and obviously you know empire strikes back and superman 2 and it, i would even argue even raised the lost ark you know are some of the most you know anticipated movie sequels ever because of how big and like you know surprise successes you know the first one was right 
And and I think it it goes to show because the you know like Gunner got it way before anybody else got it. You know, it's like you just have to take the character seriously. Like you can have your fun bit, and this is the term I use all the time in my shows. That like, but if you don't have that emotional reality, then the rest of that stuff doesn't mean anything. You know, like we're invested in Star Wars because we like Luke Skywalker. We want him to save the day and before we knew it was his sister, like, get the girl in the end, right? You know, like, that's, that's the hero's journey kind of thing. You know, same with Indiana Jones. We, you know, Harrison Ford is charming and likable, and he's getting into these scrapes, and he may not get out of them, but we're rooting for him because he's our hero. And and then we get Superman, who even though has the, uh, you know, the most power out of you know, all these characters, we're, we're still rooting for him because he he's in these situations that you know, like the kryptonite in the first film. In this film, three Kryptonians, just as powerful as he is, but evil. You know, it's kind of like, how's he going to get out of this? And that's that's great storytelling because we get that emotional reality. He has people to fight for, you know, and because um, without that, like if he was just kind of just like a, I'm here, Superman, Superman, you know, we'd be like, mm, he's just goofy. Who cares? You know, and and there have been interpretations that. Kind of like that uh, beforehand, and even have since then. <laughs> um, but that, uh, like I said, that emotional reality is the most important factor, and and it helps that Reeve and Margot um, had really good chemistry together. You know, they, you know, she, she joked, she talked about how like she would like joke around with him, and she'd like grab his cod piece when they were like strapped up in the harness, and he'd be like, "Get off of me." <laughs> You know, it's like that's just yeah. that's that's cute that they have this banter behind the scenes and um and then and again it 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 it's so it feel it helps feel real. The emotional reality is is present throughout the film because we're really rooting for these characters. Like when he gives up his powers, it's like we as the audience know that was the stupidest thing ever. But <laughs> it's like um but in the moment with those characters, they sell it and it's like, yeah, I, I get what he's doing. And that's the that's the kind of thing that when they go big or go home with some of these sequels, it's like, no, like I think naturally you're gonna get there. You just have to pick up the next step. You know, you, you finished at Superman saving the day and saving Lois and her at the end of that film going, wait a minute, I've never seen Clark and Superman in the same room. Oh, that's crazy doc. And then it leads into this film, like, wait a minute, like you're never around when, when Superman is like he was just here, you were gone, blah blah blah. It it's that kind of stuff. I'm super rambling. I apologize, but <laughs> that uh, that that sells that sells the the reality of the movie. Even though we're talking about aliens with incredibly ridiculous powers, and if we weren't rooting for them, the movie just wouldn't have worked. It just would have been just stupid action for the sake of stupid fun action not that there's anything wrong with that but i think most audiences we want that once in a while but something with depth that has rewatchability again 40 something years later that's that's rare right yeah and it really goes back to the quote that uh, richard donner had um with him when they're making the movie uh verisimilitude right the believability like like you were mentioning and yeah, I, I completely agree in the fact that, you know, so much 
you know, care was taken for the making of these movies mm-hmm. that, you know, on every level there was talent and quality and, you know, whether it was, you know, directing, acting, behind the scenes, the stunt, you know, you know the sets, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And all, all of that coming together, it's just so cool. And I do want to also touch on the performances in this movie. I know we've kind of mentioned it a little bit, but like, you know, this has, I mean, tremendous cast. I mean, if you oh, yeah. are Richard Lester and you are having to step in and, you know, this movie already has had a lot of material shot for it already. Mm-hmm. Obviously not all of that was used, uh, you know, so Richard Lester could get director's credit. And to yep. be fair, I think a lot of the stuff that he shot, I would argue worked better than the stuff that Donner did. And maybe Donner would have done the same thing. You know, we don't yep. know, you know, what that would have been like. I'm sure he would have changed certain things or reshot a few different scenes or, you know, it definitely would have reworked the ending to something completely different. So, right. I mean, it, it's hard to say. So, <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, when you're Richard Lester and Richard Lester also helped with the first movie too, when, when they're making, cause they're making them both at the same time. Right. And he was actually, I think he was like a line producer. Like he was like the, like he was basically like the messenger that the go between, between Donner and the producers, like the Selkinds and, and Pierce Spengler and, because they weren't getting along, obviously, right? which is the reason why Donner was fired yep. at the, after, after the first one, didn't come back for the second one. Um, and so he's already been on set. He knows what's going on. He obviously knows the producers from Three Musketeers, Four Musketeers. And to, to step in and have this cast, right, of Chris mm-hmm. Reeve and Margot Kidder, Gene Hackman, Terrence Stamp, uh, even you know Sarah Douglas and, and, and Jackie Cooper and Mark oh, McClure, yeah. so good in their roles. And um i also think it was really cool and i know like the really cool thing about the donner cut was seeing marlon brando and that stuff was really cool to see but i have to say i really like seeing Susanna york show up as as lara for um uh, and then that scene where she's just like are you sure you want to do this you know and and it it was cool to see because we always see jor-el but yes. you know we don't really see a lot of of his mom, so it's cool to have to have her have a role. Like you know, obviously, like female empowerment is a very important thing, right? Mm-hmm. right? But it was it was cool to have her give her something to do, and I I think I like that better, to be honest with you. You know, I, I don't disagree because again, it's it's great to give Laura some stuff to do in in these movies. Uh, I can't think of her name. I also probably couldn't pronounce it. But who plays Lara in uh, Man of Steel? And uh, you know, she was. Well, like in... it's uh, Ailet Zur, I believe is her name. Okay, okay, yeah, and you know she was in Daredevil, the the TV show. She was Fisk's uh, wife. Um, she's a fantastic actress, and she does, and she gets a lot to do in that first twenty minutes of the film. And I think yeah. it's, uh, and I think giving Susanna York something to do in this film, and it also just the having a conversation, you know between a, a, a son and a mother versus a son and a father, a completely different thing, you know, and especially the, given the intimacy of what they're talking about, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not wording this in a, you know, like, well, you know, she's a woman, so she knows all about love kind of nonsense. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that having this conversation with your mother is very different because she's speaking to the son. She's speaking to Kal-El, whereas, um, Marlon Brando would be speaking to Superman, you know, so it, it works better that it's her saying these things because we get a, a deeper sense of when she kind of, kind of reluctantly gives the blessing, he's 
very much like I trust you to do what is right versus, you know, a Jorel who might just be a little bit more, you know, you're making a mistake kind of a thing. He's like, if this is what you want, then that's what you want. And again, that dynamic has that emotional reality to it that that sells me. And I'm like, okay, I believe that he would make this choice because who better to talk to than when you really need advice than your mom, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's cool because, you know, with, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's cool because, you know, when you think about movie sequels, right? You know, to, to go back to like, you know, my podcast, you know, round two, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about movie sequels, like you mentioned before, one of the things that sometimes you see is, you know, it's got to be bigger and it's got to be, you know, taken to the next level in terms of like craziness and, you know, explosions or whatever, right? Whatever mm-hmm. your movie is about, it takes that and it's like, it's got to be bigger and better and whatever, right? Right. But sometimes, sometimes there's also this thing where with movie sequels, oh, we got to, it's got to repeat all of the things that made the first one great. It's got to be like the greatest hits. Like it's got to do all the same things the first one did because that's why people right. liked it. Right. They want more of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you kind of see like, it'll kind of just be like the same thing. Right. Yep. But you know, so it's cool at this movie that that's one of the things having like Laura, that's one of those cool things that differentiates it and makes it different, makes it unique, um, adds a little bit of different flavor to it. And you know, to me, you know, sometimes, you know, some, I I always mention that's like the idea of inverse with movie sequels. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's fun to do the opposites sometimes, right? And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, it is what it is. But sure. in this movie, from that in that specific instance, I, I really enjoyed it. And and I gotta say, I've never heard a better poem than the one about trees in this movie. Mm-hmm. So uh <laughs> it, it has that going for it too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, oh it's great. Um, you know, we we get we get everything I think you'd want out of a a Superman two from you know nineteen eighty, right? You know, we get this very and and it's sort of by it's sort of spoiled in the sense that because it they a lot of it was filmed at the same time, so it's it's almost like we're kind of giving this award to it, right? Um, but at the same time, it, it is a natural progression from the first film, and it and it really works because we get. We get to see what we wanted to see. We want to see more Superman action. We kind of want to see Lois get one up on Clark and figure out that he's Superman. Um, and and that and that that scene, you know, on, on that for a second, is I love the lines in it. The the dialogue it's so beautiful when you know he's like, I, I guess we need to talk, and she says, I'm in love with you, and then he's like, Well, we really need to talk. They yeah. the, the way they perform that whole scene, the way they the way they perform it is so beautiful and brilliant and it's like how is this movie again 40 something years old how is this scene better than this one like i don't know four minute scene is better than some of the 90 minute two hour movies i've been watching (laughs) in the movie theater recently like that's that's yeah you know you know know, times are different you know and obviously i think audiences are different and they have a different mindset you know when you think of the different you know you think gen x millennials gen z whatever's next so they go do we go to a i don't know what what do do you do for them (laughs) circle back i i don't know do numbers this time i don't i don't know (laughs) but uh but yeah you think of the different generations and and yeah it's uh it it is i don't know it's 
for me, I really like older movies. I don't know what it is, but I, I and obviously I like newer movies too. But I sure. feel like a lot of times I've noticed that movies can be kind of thought of as more of a product and and less of an like a art form. Yes. And yes. And and that's something where I really like the movies where you can really feel an artist's touch on it, right? That's yeah. probably the reason why I like Christopher Nolan movies, Zack Snyder movies, you know, uh, these directors who have a very distinct visual style and uh, passion for what they, they do. And, but I don't know if it's just, just, and like you said, like, you know, 40, was it 42, 43 years later, where you're talking yeah. about a movie and Superman two and, and just, and for me, I sometimes it's funny. Cause like the style sometimes, and just like some of the, like I think of the product placement and like just like how you, you can tell movies from its era, like that Coca Cola sign. I'm never gonna forget that in my life. Yep, you know? never. <laughs> uh, it, like the, was it JVC Electronics? I think was you know mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the background too, and stuff like that, and just like the, the style, that 80s style and stuff. It's just uh, I don't know. Like I, I I I'm never gonna forget those things, you know. And it's just part of the allure and and you know the era of where it came from and just the the craftsmanship, I guess and and not to say that that's not happening because there's a lot of that happening, but mm-hmm. in different ways, I feel like now, because Hollywood and is so different with streaming and all that. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's different, but yet, you know, it's just, I don't know, for some reason, I, I really like that, that aspect to older movies, I guess. I don't know. No, I, I totally get what you mean because there, there was the idea that movies are, you know, or, or it's, it's storytelling, you know, that, that were and and i guess part of it was that there were fewer fewer of them that came out so you know you really had to work hard to you know if your movie's going to come out it's going to make an impact and it's going to make a good impact you don't want like a howard the duck or something that people are still mocking again like 30 years later or 40 years later geez uh almost at this point um wow but, uh, which by the way i've never seen that one so i don't know <laughs> Just bits and pieces, yeah. Yeah, same. I've seen little bits and pieces. And I mean, Caroline Ray, you know, 80s Caroline Ray is, okay, yes, please. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so now it's like, sometimes the the storytelling aspect of it can get lost because they're trying to, to be the loudest and craziest thing you can see. And, you know, I point to the Fast and Furious movies and my, my buddy, uh, Josh Bergern, uh, He's pointing, you know, he and I joked about this. Like, well, he started a joke where he was like, um, like the Fast 10 trailer came out. And when the Fast 9 trailer came out, he would tweet the exact same thing. He was like, the first one was about, you know, stopping a street gang from stealing cars. <laughs> I just always yeah. laugh at that going, yeah, and now look at them. They're these bombastic nonsense. And I, you know, all you that love them, God bless you. Uh, but I just don't care. But then again, they could say the same thing about me going to all the superhero movies that are just loud and <laughs> arguably obnoxious. Um, but, you know, it's but that's because they're made by committee versus made by visionaries. Like you said earlier, you know, you get people that are, you know, like George Lucas wants to talk, wants to talk tell, or, excuse me, tell the story of Star Wars. He has the tools and resources to do it his way even if you can't do it exactly right because of his budget limitations or whatever. And then you get Donner and Lester who have Superman now, and they're going to 
tell their story. And it's not an original creation, but it's still something they can do and make it feel original. I mean, I my argument was that outside of Action Comics number one, Superman the movie is the the second most important Superman story that's ever been told. Um, you know, for for a variety of reasons and quite similar reasons as to Action Comics number one, to be frank. And then Superman two has to carry that torch, and it does it brilliantly because we get, like I said, we get what we want out of it, and not only that, but we get to feel like this is where this story is going. We're getting the same characters. We're not getting new characters that we don't care about. We're getting the same characters, some new ones, but we get to remember why we love them in the first place and then be on this journey with them that just, you know, it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, what other way is there to say it? It's, it's fun to watch, you know? Like you said, older movies, they just have a, a flair to them because, you know, the, the people making them, they've got to watch a million times while <laughs> they're making it, which is annoying. Uh, I've been in editing rooms and I wanted to kill myself. But, you know, uh, you get, but, you, you know, we, 40 years later, are still talking about them going, damn, they, they did something right with this film, right? You know, they just, they knew where the story was going and we got to be along for the ride. And what a great gift to, Tell this continuing story that feels that just it just it, it just worked. I'm like rambling off. <laughs> I apologize for my nonsense there, no. but you know, I hope I'm making some sort of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, yeah, and it's just it's one of those things where it's just it's just the, the craftsmanship, you know, and just the yes. you know, uh, you know, when you're working on something like when you're trying to make that the best it can be, right, and you know, a lot of times I feel like with, with newer movies, I feel like there's this, you know, we have to appeal to the general audience. And that means that we have to make this a very generic, simple by the numbers kind of 90 minute to two hour movie. Mm-hmm. And of course there's so many, there's so much money, you know, that goes into making like, let's say superhero movies. Right? right. And sometimes, you know, there are other factors involved that, you know, whether it's, you know, let's say merchandise like toys, sales, mm-hmm. toy sales, right. Or whatever that sometimes has an influence on some of these movies. I think, you know, I think it's even impacted the newer star Wars movies and, you know, when, and then when you have a movie like blade runner 2049 comes out and absolutely bombs at the box office. And it just kind of like breaks my heart because it's like, like, are people just not into those kind of movies? Like are people being like conditioned to just, you know, and, and I don't want to, and I'm not saying that like people are like brainwashed because obviously that's not, <laughs> I'm not here to say that, but no, I know what uh, you mean. Yeah, but it's just I don't know. It, it's just, it's very strange, you know what what people you know like like and I I it's cool that Aquaman made a billion dollars. I'm happy for it. Yeah, I thought it was an okay movie. That, <laughs> very. Like I I you know I know and Zach, I'm sorry. I know you love it, but like to me, it's it's a very middle of the road take it or leave it movie. I can, I don't know how that movie made a billion dollars. It had to be Jason Momoa, but <laughs> in his yeah. star power, I guess. But I don't. I don't know. It's just. It's. It's strange to me, to, to to think of like, where this medium and where we were we're going in the future, right? In terms of like, you see certain movies bomb at the box office, but then you have certain movies that you know make a billion dollars. It's like all or nothing, which is really strange, you know. And yeah, yeah. It's just. I don't know. It's it's it, it's very weird. I I listen to the uh, Smartless podcast. Is Jason Bateman 
Sean Hayes and uh, Will Arnett, who hosted it's, it's mm. really they're very funny guys. But Will Arnett made a, a good point that where he said Hollywood, you know, at least in releasing them in theaters, isn't making like these big budget funny movies anymore. You know, I I'm thinking of like a movie like The Hangover or Office Space or something like that, like an R rated, just ninety minute, two hour, just hilarious, you know, ride. And and he's right, Step Brothers. You know, Step Brothers, a perfect example. <laughs> um, yeah. But but like Hollywood's not investing in that kind of stuff anymore, and which is really kind of a bummer because those can be the passion projects, you know, of people where they're just something essentially low cost. You know, you don't need two hundred million dollars to make an Office Space movie, right? You know, <laughs> Step Brothers, I think was well, like, I, I know. think, well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but also like Step Brothers has the. Uh, it has the Will Ferrell of it and John C. Riley, so you figure that's that's probably a bigger budget than most. So it's just it's just strange to have like, well, we're either doing the two hundred million dollar, or in Avatar's case, I think it was like a five hundred million dollar film, or yeah. we're doing, you know, these horror movies that we can make for one million dollars <laughs> uh, i know and and it seems like a lot of those movies that were getting released in the theaters that I, I feel like a lot of those movies are now either streaming movies or they're just automatically turned into like a mini series or a tv series yes like those concepts those ideas like they're not movies anymore which is it's it's and it's and part of it is because like with streaming you have that instant availability right that instant gratification of like just like with a cell phone you can do anything you know the power of the world at your fingertips right yeah. same with streaming you know you can do anything with streaming you know and and i feel stupid because that's how i watch this movie <laughs> to, to prepare for the podcast but you know uh and, and there's a place for it you know like i love stranger things and certain stuff that's exclusive to um to streaming so sure i don't want to like there's a there's a place for it and obviously like you know speaking of netflix specifically like um there's a lot more freedom for filmmakers so it's mm-hmm. this give and take but you know i think just part of the landscape of like it's harder to get people to go to the movie theater you need a big event movie to get people to go to spend the money because it's so much it costs so much more money for the tickets and and popcorn and, and all that stuff is just so much more expensive now that it's just it, it's tough it, it is and it's and you know it's, it's just kind of a, a bummer because it's more expensive than it needs to be, I feel like, you know, but it's just hey, capitalism, baby. Um, what are you going to do? But, you know, it's, but, you know, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see in like a, uh, like a Matt Reeves, the Batman, like, okay, here's somebody that even though this is a big budget movie, this feels like a personal story. This feels something that I can, it has some rewatchability that maybe some other, you know, some of the other superhero movies, superhero sequels, you know, didn't have. It's also why I'm looking forward to James Gunn doing Superman because I feel like I put him in that category, you know, with uh, like you said about like Snyder and Nolan, like somebody who is very specific with their vision and knows how to tell a story in a very cinematic way. That you know, I mean, I saw the the Dark Knight five times in the movie theater because that movie was gorgeous to look at on the big screen, you know, and nice. I and you know, and I loved. Um, and though even though um, the Suicide Squad was on uh, uh, HBO Max, I went to the movie theater to watch it, and you know, and then watched it on HBO Max. Uh, but uh, but still, I went to the movie theater because it's like the movie's made in a cinematic way, and that's really something special. And you know, I well, let me let me just ask you: 
what what are your thoughts with James Gunn's new movie, and what are you what are you kind of hoping to see going forward? Because we have these classic Superman movies, and then we have these newer Superman movies that are really great, but just not as well received for God knows what reason. <laughs> you know, we could that's a whole other podcast, of course. But now we have somebody with a new vision. Like, what what are you hoping to see? You know, are you excited, or what, where do you stand with all that? Excellent question. So, so you're asking specifically about like the James Gunn Superman and the new DC movies moving forward. That, yeah, I think it's gonna. I think I think personally, it's gonna be a complete reboot. Yeah. Or honestly, in my opinion, I just think they can't say that yet because obviously the Flash hasn't come out yet as of when we're recording this. So, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to sabotage their own movie, right? right. So, like, and some people could argue in in ways they maybe perhaps have done that with Shazam too, right? So, sure. you know. So they don't want to sacrifice that. And for everything that's taken to get that flash movie made, you know, like, <laughs> like they, they have to be all in it at this point. There is no turning back, you know, with all the money and time and resources they've spent trying to get this movie made all the different people that have come and left as directors and actors and keep, and it's just... and keep the star out of jail. apparently. <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole other ordeal too. And it's just, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I think personally it'll be a reboot, but yeah. We, so you mentioned James Gunn Superman, and uh, you know it's 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 interesting because in some ways, like I, I'm I'm never gonna judge something until I see a trailer, until I get a a feel for what the movie's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and even in in some cases, you can even argue until you until you watch the movie, you know, sure. like once you actually watch the movie and see what the movie's actually about, then you can make a judgment on. You know well, how what what the movie's quality is in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I really don't know. You know, I'm taking a wait and see. I really don't know because, I mean, I think with rebooting, you get to start fresh and you get to kind of have a filmmaker, someone who writes movies, someone who directs movies, and not just movies, but movies in the genre as well who, that have been successful. You know, like Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, it's, I, I can see the, the desire to want to, to have, you know, you have obviously Discovery coming in and buying Warner Brothers, right? Another Warner Brothers Discovery, you have yeah. a new CEO and David Zaslav and, uh, you know, you want to do, you know, but like I always make the analogy of sports, like when the coach gets fired and they bring in a new coach, right? Like they're going to want to bring in their people, you know, yeah. like yeah. it's usually they clean house and they completely start over right so they can build their own program or whatever so it's the same thing here that's kind of how i see it and i really don't know um there's nothing from like i've watched some of james gunn's movies and there's nothing that really stands out to me that tells me he's you know gonna make an amazing superman movie but i'm (laughs) I'm never rooting for any movie to fail especially when you have my favorite fictional character of all time you know you know for that movie so right it's, I really don't know, and we'll kind of see what happens, but it's just, it's really interesting that Warner Brothers, you know, for, for decades now, I feel like they, you know, this is the hundredth year anniversary of Warner Brothers as a movie studio. Yep. They're one of the legendary movie studios of all time, right? Some of the biggest movies, and for so many years and decades, they were so successful, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just crazy to me that in the last, I don't know, 15 years now, like pretty much ever since the Dark Knight series, that trilogy ended, it's just been 
utter chaos with that <laughs> in the studio. Yeah. And I just, I, it's, it's baffling to me that how you can go from one regime to the next, to the next, you know, you can, you know, AT&T come in and then now you have discovery coming in and it's just, it's baffling to me how you can have all these different people in charge and they cannot get their ducks in a row. Yeah. Like it's absolutely baffling to me. It just, it it's, I mean, I'm, and I'm sorry, I don't want to bash too hard. You know, <laughs> no, I, I yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here. I, I'm tr- I, I don't want to like, you know, but I, I have to be honest about how I feel about it. And yeah, you yeah. know, part of me is concerned, you know, like there's, there's the big debate, debate about Henry Cavill, right. You know, and James Gunn saying that he's going to have a new Superman for this movie, even though they just tease that Cavill is coming back in Black Adam. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that yeah, was so, a whole ordeal too. And very annoying. I, I, I really don't know. It's just, it's baffling to me that there's this, there's this huge history. And lately it just kind of seems like they're really dropping the ball and, Everybody looks at Disney, you know, like they're, they, they own half of the world right now. Yep. You know, and the, obviously they're, you know, they have star Wars, they have Marvel, you know, they have, they have, they, have, I mean, Disney plus like Disney as a whole, almost has like, they, they own ESPN and ABC and, and uh, now they own Fox, you know, all the Fox yep. stuff and Nat Geo and like, there's all this, you know, Pixar. Right. So there's this, I mean, they have it all, you know, and it's, oh, just, yeah. it's, it's baffling that Warner Bros. It just keeps like they they kind of feel like they're just, you know, like little brother to them, even though they've been, you know, have this rich history for so many you know, years. It, well, yeah. And it's it's funny you say that because, you know, it's also the Disney 100th anniversary this year. So it's. Uh, oh, sure. It's, yeah. So, so it's funny to have that like. Uh, you know, but but Disney also. For as wild as it is maybe to say this but but you know, given what i said about some of the marvel stuff you know they have pixar stuff and pixar stuff rarely misses and it's really beautifully done um yes yep. you know visually and and again emotional reality of it right so i i think warner brothers you know i with with superman I, i'm excited to see what's what's going to happen next because this is kind of the the, the best period right like oh what's going to happen I try not to speculate too much because I I don't want to because there's like there's two ways that can go. You can either ruin it for yourself because you you know expected too much, or you can you know ruin it a different way where you're getting exactly what you want. And I don't think when it comes to storytelling, I don't want exactly what I want. Right? You know, if I say I want to watch a romantic comedy. And in my head, that means, oh, they get together, they break up, you know, then they get back together again. No, I, I want the movie to tell me what it is and make me like it for what it is, even though I'm watching the type of movie I wanted to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's I, I like the way you describe that. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of my experience when watching and like the live to and watching Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. you know? Of like everybody had this expectation of what this movie was going to be and then it was kind of a little different than that and that just kind of threw everybody for a loop you know yeah it came out so yeah i i love bbs and i've said it many times on this show um and it's, I, yeah I, I listened to your episode on it with uh with kev you know yeah it was, uh, it was with, great it was a great episode they you know it was yeah kevin lance and they you know it's, it's always a good time talking to them just in general but they um yes yeah it was nice to get the the three different perspectives and really made for a, a fun conversation um because again it's it 
a lot of it, a lot of that movie, you know, went the way I wanted it to, but also did a lot to surprise me, which is what you want out of storytelling. And I think Superman two does a good job of that, right? It, you know, <laughs> nice segue there, uh, but you know, it, <laughs> it it gives us this natural progression of the story, but it also throws us this curveball. Well, he's going to lose his powers. Well, he's going to, you know, lose the fight between the bad guys. Like that's not what happened. He's gonna lose his yeah. powers again. Oh, he didn't. You know, like it's yeah. That or, or of... even like yeah, or even like earlier on when you know Lois is so sure that that Clark is Superman that you know she jumps into you know yeah, the, you know, yeah. and you know and then obviously like Clark doesn't turn into Superman and save her right. He uses other methods, which is cool, which is fun. It's a know? good scene. And, yeah, it's a fun scene. Yeah. And then after that, she's like, and I thought you were Superman. And then it was <laughs> that simple little moment right after, like, just when you think like you're past it, oh, you're right back in like, oh, he is Superman. You know, it's, yep. it's that it, it, it's good storytelling. Yeah. It's good writing. And, um, you know, speaking of unexpected, I, I do want to bring this up too. you know, uh, early on in the movie, what, what the, in the Paris scene, mm-hmm. uh, when you have the, those terrorists, that's why they call them terrorists, Kent, you know, when he says, oh, that's terrible. You know? Oh, yeah. Which is, yeah. That, that was that was great but uh but and the one of those terrorists is actually uh richard griffiths who is uncle vernon from the harry potter movies that's right yeah which is super cool <laughs> and and uh there's also a couple star wars connections too obviously we know terrence stamp was in phantom menace right yeah. but there was also some other um cast members in this movie in smaller roles who were also in empire strikes back um okay uh, John Ratzenberger, John Morton, and John Hollis uh, were all in The Empire Strikes Back, which is super cool. And it's funny because part of the reason I, I, I recognize that is because when I was looking at the, the cast list on IMDb for the movie, mm-hmm. you, you see their pictures and they are, they're picked like for a couple of them, they're actually pictures from that, from The Empire Strikes Back is their oh, yeah. main picture at, for, for, you know, for their actor page. And it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mentioned this on the, the episode I did about Superman the movie is that it, it's funny to think that there are two movies starring uh, Ned Beatty and uh, John Ratzenberger, or I guess now three. And now that I think about it, there's uh, Superman, Superman 2, and Toy Story 3. <laughs> Toy Story 3, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it took me, I mentioned this too, where I was like, I think I was in my late 20s, early to late 20s, where I realized, wait a minute. Lotso Huggin' Bear is Otis? Are you yeah. serious? That's crazy. Right? And it took like, again, well after I'd seen Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story 3, I should say. <laughs> so, it was my second time admitting my one of my most embarrassing duh moments. <laughs> no, no, I'm totally with you. I I, I shared that experience too, yeah. And it's, yeah. it just shows how good of an actor he was, you know. Fan- and Brilliant. Yeah. 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 And just, there's so many good people in this movie it's just you know like even uh like valerie perrine uh like even though her character uh miss testmacher disappears halfway through the movie for you know and that's 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 basically <laughs> because she didn't come back for the the reshoots you know, the, the, with lester she didn't come back yeah. for shooting that stuff so that's why she disappears after that i guess yeah uh but uh but yeah like even like with that like i i still enjoy her and it's cool to see her again and mm-hmm. um yeah i mean sometimes the slapstick comedy kind of negates a little bit of their you know its effectiveness and there's obviously some stereotypes and 
in this in this movie, you know, which usually involves men in restaurants for some reason, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> yeah. you know doesn't hasn't really hasn't really aged the best. But uh, and obviously we talked about the, the you know the kiss scene, and so there are some yeah. things you know this movie isn't a perfect movie, right? What <laughs> right. is, you know, <laughs> but. I mean, I feel like overall, like I, there's just so much to like about this movie, and you know, I, I, I I'm thankful, to, you know, to have that nostalgia for this movie, even though I wasn't alive when it came out, right? But you know, it's just one of those things that I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to be able to have, uh, you know, to to watch it, and it's part of the reason why I'm such a huge Superman fan. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was formidable for me as a Superman fan. That the animated series, and of course, Smallville. Um, absolutely yes just the uh, you know great takes on the character and that's that's all we really want as fans we just want entertaining stories is it that hard yes it is actually but <laughs> um, yes you know you you writing a book you you know you know better than i do <laughs> um but yeah it's it's hard but it's uh it's done right and you have somebody with passion and a vision it, you know it'll hold up you know 43 44 years later whatever you know it's crazy yeah and and if, and if you don't mind i would just kind of like to touch on christopher reeve for just just a moment sure um yeah, so i am a huge christopher reeve fan as an actor as a human being um i have just i've always been drawn to him partially you know and all it all started obviously with the superman movies right yep, yep and this one this one was a big part of that and why i was such a big fan of character and then you get to learn more about him and everything that you know that he was that he was doing and um especially after his act his horse accident and um, being in a wheelchair yeah. and you know everything he went through with that and you know the christopher reeve uh foundation christopher and dana reeve foundation i should say uh is uh you know just tremendous work that they're doing for uh people with paralysis and trying to get you know to help with that and it, they've actually made some 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 steps some strides in that direction like they've yeah. you know and a lot of it has to do with stem cell uh stuff like that but mm -hmm. um but they are making improvements which is so awesome to see and but but anyway i i've always been such a, a big fan of him off screen but also on screen and you know it's funny because you know obviously when people think of chris free they obviously think of superman right mm -hmm. but i mean it's funny because like he actually the cell kinds who you know obviously like produced these movies they actually sued christopher reeve before making before before lester came back and they finished superman 2 they sued him for quote-unquote walking away you know because uh. uh there was that time period right in between um when they were shooting like you know with donner as opposed to finishing part one and then when they eventually came back when it was like half a year or, so, or, or more later to, mm. to finish superman 2 um in that time frame he went and starred in what is one of my all-time favorite movies and my favorite christopher reeve movie somewhere in time mm -hmm. jane seymour Jean-Claude swark i'm a big fan of him as a director um and of course and obviously like it, it was all worked out in the end where like he basically finished that movie and the next day he had basically had to like go over and do superman mm -hmm. superman 2 you know uh but i mean that's just one of my i mean it's one of my favorite movies i'm such a big fan of the movie it also deals with uh surrealism uh mm -hmm. so it's uh a part of you know why I like that movie so much, and it's part of the inspiration for my book, as is Field of Dreams. So, awesome. um, yeah, but um, 
I've always been a big fan and he has uh like a couple of years back I read his uh his memoir his autobiography which is called Still Me which okay. it's it's interesting because he this was obviously like after his accident mm-hmm. years after that and he was talking about some of the things he was doing and how he he directed a movie while you know while he was paralyzed he directed a movie called In the Gloaming Oh um, I didn't know that which is it was a, it was an HBO movie and uh, I looked it up, and you can only buy it on VHS. But that's, that's the only format. It's the only format it's on. But um, then he also, I mean, he he was in a couple other movies and stuff as well. Obviously, Smallville, right? Yeah, season two, yeah. season three. And I've just uh, just hearing him talk and watching some of his other movies. Um, he was in a movie with um, why am I blank? Oh, Michael Caine, uh, called. Uh, Oh, shoot. What was it called? Uh, now I'm blanking on the name of it. It's, uh, hang on a second. I'll pull it up. I was going to say, I, I don't know. I know he was in a, well, like there was a Michael Keaton movie, like in the early nineties and Reeve was in that. It's some, I think some political movie or some comedy. And, uh, and there were rumors oh, yeah. of like a Batman Superman movie back then with the two of them. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, the movie I was thinking of was called Death Trap. Oh, okay, um, okay. Where him and Michael Caine are actually, um, they're secretly gay lovers in that movie. Oh, and then they have this like conspiracy of like they they commit a murder and they're trying to like cover it up. And it's based on a play, and it's fascinating. And and he was obviously in uh, the Bostonians and the Aviator, mm-hmm. and he actually in and Street Smart, which I watched the other day. That's a great. Uh, movie. Which is yeah, I mean, it was kind of his passion project. He kind of used it as leverage to uh to, to, to get to do, made to do superman 4 yeah so i mean i, I so i've always been such a, a big fan of him and the work he's done and uh you know if i were you know i would even say remains of the day like if you're looking for chris other christopher reeve stuff to check out mm. remains of the day it just came out on 4k blu-ray and uh it's a movie that he is in uh it's merchant ivory it's the people who made bostonians but um like Anthony Hopkins is in it and Emma Thompson's in it. And it is just, just a tremendous, tremendous movie. And he's, it takes place like literally like right before world war two. Oh, and okay. um, yeah. And it, it's, it's, uh, I think it takes place in the UK mm-hmm. or no. Yeah. Well, well overseas. And um, he, he's, he's a character who is like, cause everybody there is like, Oh yeah, we should like join up with, with Hitler because like this was before it was known that he was doing all this horrible horrible stuff right Mm -hmm. and they're like yeah we should we should you know yeah we should support him and he's just like absolutely not you know and he and a very Superman kind of way (laughs) and uh it's just it's such a it's such a really good movie I I definitely recommend that too but I've always been such a big fan of Chris Reeve and I just uh you know I owe the world to him you know for you know being an, an inspiration for all for some of the things in my life you know so yeah i just wanted to get that off my chest i guess sorry for going on a rant there no no that was great um yeah and i and i i totally get it man um it's uh he was awesome like you know uh in you know on screen and off screen you know uh you know yeah darren this is uh this has been such a blast getting to do this with you and it's it's funny because like like you know what what can we say about superman 2 that hasn't already been said and i think we 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 said quite a lot that hadn't been said yeah 
we had a great discussion on you know movie how movies were made back then versus now and you know i this was this was a blast man thank you so much for joining me today yeah yeah it, it's it's been so much fun it's always fun talking to you jj whether it's on smallville whether it's my podcast whether it's your podcast just we always have a good time and yeah uh you know it's we always have really good conversations it's always a lot of fun yeah yeah uh so darren if people are uh flying through uh metropolis hopefully not because somebody threw a manhole cover at them um yeah anyway that's my long-winded way of saying where can people find you <laughs> of course yeah uh, you can find me on the best place is probably twitter unfortunately um <laughs> uh, it is uh, at darren underscore cursed uh, i'm also on vero and um i don't really use other social media all that much i do have facebook pages for the stuff that i have going on from like my podcast and my book but mm. um the main spot is probably either it's probably twitter um, Darren underscore cursed. And I also just want to say, uh, really quickly that the, there is a box set for, uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, um, uh, 4k, mm-hmm. which is all coming out here. It should be, it should be out by the time this episode comes out. I uh-huh. haven't pre-ordered it. I haven't got it yet, but yeah, uh-huh. they remastered all the, all four, actually five, if you include Donner cut, uh, right. Superman movies. So, um, I, I'm really curious to check that out and see, the improvements that are made and um i do i do want to also give a shout out to a couple of different people obviously you jj for having me here uh <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> but yes but i do want to give a shout out to a couple of people associated with uh these movies and this fandom for these sure. movies who um really deserve it in my mind and uh the first that comes to mind is aaron price he is this really cool he makes these really cool awesome like remastered scenes and he's made some really awesome stuff from Superman four where he's kind of gone back and fixed a lot of the issues uh, with certain scenes, like with Superman and nuclear man. And it's um, a tall order. <laughs> yeah. And there it's incredible. So the stuff he's done is, is absolutely is, is so good. I, I, it's on YouTube. I Aaron price is his name. Check it out. Superman four remaster. It's okay. awesome. Oliver Harper has a really cool retrospective uh, on YouTube of all the Superman movies, the Christopher Reeve ones. And including this one as well he talks about donner cut and and it goes into a lot of detail and that's a really excellent video but i also have to give a shout out to the caped wonder superman podcast uh jay towers jim bowers uh they do such an awesome job of you know keeping the the flame alive right you know making our superman 3 reference uh <laughs> you know uh yeah of, of you know that they, they've had conversations with a lot of different people who've been in these movies and um, have you know all this uh, the photography and behind the scenes stories and um, like the, one of their episodes um, they had come out they actually talked to the kid from who falls out over the edge in the Niagara Falls scene oh yeah yeah they actually had him on to talk about his experience filming that scene and he was talking about meeting Chris Reeve and Margot Kidder and, mm-hmm. and how it all went down and so they do such an awesome job over there I- that uh, I definitely uh have to give them a shout out to uh which one was that one again uh the caped wonder podcast okay they talk it's basically like uh just specifically focusing on the christopher reeve superman movies gotcha yeah that sounds awesome i definitely want to check those out um and uh, uh as for me you can find me at four comic junkies on twitter uh you can also check out uh my other account at spider man books where we have, uh, you know, that's the 
Twitter page for the Spider-Man Book Club that uh, is weekly, talking all Spider-Man books and uh, some Marvel movies. And uh, yeah, if you're yes. listening to this, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's fun. Uh, if you're listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts, please write a review, subscribe, get the, get those buds in ears, as I like to say. And uh, for all you out there, we just want to say, I believe this is your floor. Or wait, no. General, would you like to step outside? I don't know. He's got great lines. I can't pick one. We're just going to end it. As, as, long, as long as you just don't say, like, you know, have you ever heard of freedom of the press? As long yeah. as you don't say that, you're okay. Not a, not a great one, Reeve. I'm so sorry. You know, but the other ones were great. And you were great. Yes. And I'm great. Well, All thank, right. well thank you. Yes. <laughs>